the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the live edition of the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Marr, and I have a full house here tonight for the first time on our live Tuesday show. I'm joined by Fionn Malloy and Jake Woolhead. Lads, how are we? Yeah, I'm obviously doing quite well. I don't know if you can hear me that well. I was just in the pub. I have a pint here beside me. I decided I'd come out and join you. <laughs> that is dedication. To very very generous of him to come out yeah. and co-host his own show. Very, very generous indeed. <laughs> is this going? Did you only just come on to rant about the Giants? Because if you did, that's totally fine. We're, we'll let you do that. I have a lot to say about the Giants, but it's probably best to keep it to another show, keep it minimum, because otherwise <laughs> I have a fight with somebody tonight. It's it's all seven segments on the wheel of topics today. Uh, I it. hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, all, well, actually, we have eight segments. The eighth one is uh, Washington. So, ah, Fionn, you're not getting yeah, away with it now this yeah. week. No way. No way. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on though. Like, w- since we've uh, started doing the live shows and throughout the season, there's only been one week where all of our teams have won, and there's been more weeks where all of our teams have lost. Yeah, it's not a great season for us. I have to say, if uh, no. if you're not used to a winning team like yourself, it can be a struggle. But welcome to the real game of the NFL. There's only five, six teams every year that are actually on a good run and you're not one of them this season, I'm afraid, Dara. So join the misery train that is the NFC East. You know, you give me all that all that type of misery trade and everything like that. Whose defense was hyped as going to be the best defense this season? Hey, look, Geno Atkins Who's... came in, or Geno Smith came in, he didn't perform well. When that cliff gets Russell Wilson to move on, Welcome to 10 years of not knowing who your starting quarterback is. Then you can come and slag the Washington football team defense. Oh, okay? you're definitely reaching just going for the Geno bag. Not, not so hot, not so hot on the defense, the old Legion of Boom this season either. <laughs> but well, we expected our defense to be crap this year. Your defense was expected to be, I think, number one in every metric. At least that's what all the all the experts experts uh we're meant to say this year um, i think we can both agree there's been no boom in seattle for quite a few years defense no no the biggest boom was the middle finger that got sent across the pitch to uh to pete carroll that's been the biggest boom that's happened in that stadium for a long time earl thomas was only angry because he was <laughs> missing uh quality alone time with his brother and their friends that's right a- i see as he had to play football and spending some time with his brother and their very friends. That's all it was. Well, look, we got a bumper show for you tonight, Jake. Don't worry, you are getting some grief for the Giants later on. It is coming. We're just letting you uh, get settled into the show. But we do have a bumper show in store. We are bringing back the wheel of topics. We have loads of great topics to talk about this week. Also, we have a another good show for you coming up on Thursday. We're previewing the Thursday night football game between the Denver Broncos and the Cleveland Browns. We will be announcing our guests uh, at the end of the show. And guys, you got you already know who it is, and they are uh, some doozies. It's a doozy. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. It's going to be a great preview show. 100%. But let's uh, let's not waste any time. Let's uh, let's get the wheel, shall we? Should we get the wheel? It's what the people there? came let's... to see. They didn't come That's to see it. our ugly mushes. 
No way, no way. Uh, they came to see Jake's lovely points, maybe, but not our <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> zoom in on the point, maybe. Yeah, there you go. See, nice branding. Remember, Creamy. give us. You can always sponsor us. You're supposed, you're supposed to split the E. <laughs> it's split the G. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the G and the E, if you look at them, they're pretty much the same spot anyway, but you didn't split either of them. No, I didn't. I've been drinking all day, and maybe I initially started off with splitting the G. Now I just had <laughs> Sipper. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's get the wheel up there. Uh, we have some very, very interesting topics to talk about this week. I'm not going to go through them all because what I'm going to do is I'm just going to spin that wheel straight away. Uh, let's here we go. Spin that wheel. What are we going to be talking about first today? This is the beauty. We don't know what we're going to talk about. Ooh, it's the Bills. Ooh, okay. The Bills blip. Uh, Fionn, this was actually one of your uh, topics that you wanted to bring up this week because the Buffalo Bills lost uh, last night in the, in the Monday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans by 34 points to 31. Derrick Henry, another monster game from the running back, 143 yards and three touchdowns. Just like in the headline, Fionn, do you think this is just a blip or maybe something we're going to have to keep an eye on? Yeah, I think it's just a blip. Look, the reality is it's very hard for teams to go undefeated throughout the season. And you really want your losses to come early in the season against strong opponents that you can then have a little bit of tape on them when it gets into the the cutting edge of the season, maybe even into the playoffs as that matchup could be the Buffalo Bills against the Tennessee Titans. For me, the problem was not being able to stop Derrick Henry, but that's not a surprise. I think in his last five games, he's gone well over 100 yards in each game and scored, I believe he missed a touchdown in one, but has scored multiple touchdowns in every other game. So it's not uh, special for the Bills not to be able to stop him, but it is something that they definitely need to consider going forward is shutting down run games. And for them, another poor outing for their running back room as well. That's really becoming a big problem for them. Singletary led the led the team with just 27 yards on five carries. So that's that's always going to be tough to win, even when Josh Allen throws for 353 and three touchdowns. That's impressive. But if you can't get that running game going, Jake, then you're going to struggle mildly. Yeah, it's, I, I noticed that as well. I watched that game and I thought to myself, Ever since Josh Allen has been a big part of that team, they haven't had the running game that you'd want a quarterback like Josh Allen. You'd like to be able to run the RPOs and have him read pass and all that sort of stuff and then take it to the house. As we know, he's quite good at running the ball. He's a big man, so he can take the hits. But it doesn't help when your running back is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage as he gets to the line of scrimmage. I know as a Giants fan how that feels like. It's not good <laughs> seeing a quality players getting tackled before they can make a break for it. Um, I know as Josh Allen, I thought he had some nice throws though. He looked good. He made some smart decisions except for the couple mm-hmm. of interceptions that he had. And then uh, I just thought, well, I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Tanhill. We all know that. But my God, every time Derrick Henry touches the ball, it looks like he is about to go off for a 30-yard run. Where am I after going? I'm in the dark now. (laughs) (laughs) You're like those cornerbacks trying to... You're like those cornerbacks trying to chase Henry into the end zone on that huge run he had. Every time he touches the ball, it looks like he's about to go off on a 76-yard run again. It doesn't matter. He gets tackled two yards into his run 
Or sometimes you'll bounce that two yards into a 76-yard run. The man looks unstoppable. I don't know why they don't give him more touches. Yeah, I think that's so the most disappointing part if you're if you're the Buffalo Bills because it shows you how dangerous he can be with an incredible running attack. And if you had Josh Allen behind it instead of Ryan Tannehill, that could make a huge difference and it could really be the difference in a couple of wins and losses this season, which might make a lot of change at the top in terms of the seeding by the end of the season. So you're going to want to win as many games as you can and try not to drop them too often. Definitely, I agree. And I think one big aspect that the Titans, uh, that helped the Titans, I should say, in their game last night that they didn't have maybe last week, especially against the Jets, was they had both Julio Jones and AJ Brown back. You know, they had those dangerous receivers there that defences had to keep an eye on. I know Julio went out um, at one point during the game as well, but AJ Brown sort of welcome to the 2021 season. AJ Brown had a, had a performance for the first time this season. I'm uh, hoping he can bounce uh, off of that and continue. Um, I think he had a 90 yards receiving from seven targets, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. But Henry, yep. yeah, he's an absolute colossus. He had 143 yards, three touchdowns, and only 20 carries. Um and you're saying feeling about giving him the ball more. You do, I do agree with that in an aspect, but you also want to make sure that. But I, I'm going to say that you want to make sure that his load management is looked after. But mm. this guy has been given the ball more than any other running back in the league, and he never gets injured. You know? Well, look, don't put that on me. That was that was Jake who said that. But I will say oh, the problem is with handing him the ball so many times. We saw it against the Baltimore Ravens last season in the postseason. If you come up against that and you can stop it, it makes them one-dimensional. And granted, they have a few more weapons this year that remain to be seen how effective they can be. But usually, uh, history has told us if you can find a way of stopping Derrick Henry, which isn't the easiest, you do have a bright chance of winning the game. Yeah. I think we do also have to give a little shout out to, I think it was Titans' first round pick, Caleb Farley, towards ACL last yeah. night or whatever. So we do have to just mention that hopefully he gets, he gets back to the field as soon as possible. Yeah, and uh, Taylor Lewan had to leave the game at one point on a stretcher as well after a, um, a head injury, but he seems to be okay too. Definitely uh, Lewan and uh, Darrell Taylor's um, injury on Sunday were both two you know, scary moments seeing uh, the cart being brought out in the stretcher and then being secured in place not to move their neck in case there was a serious injury. Thankfully, both players seem to be fine, which is fantastic to hear, but also awful about Caleb Farley, who did in his, in his rookie year, of course, um, tearing his ACL. On, on the on the, the build side of things, just a little more, um, we saw the return, you could say, of Stefan Diggs getting in the end zone. It was his first touchdown, I think, since week one, two. And I think he's been sort of lost a little bit with the, not so much the shuffle, but the the fact that maybe Josh Allen has sent a favor to his tight end, Dawson Knox, an awful lot this year. And Emmanuel Sanders has seen a big, uh, a, a, a big uh, target share uh, since he's come in. And Cole Beasley had a good week last week. Dawson Knox broke a bone in his hand last night while throwing the touchdown pass to Josh Allen, ironically enough. Um, what do you think about Stefan Diggs then moving forward in the next couple of weeks now, with Dawson Knox looking like he's going to be out? I actually think it's quite funny. I think Stefan Diggs has the same amount of touch, uh, touchdowns as his brother, Trayvon Diggs, the cornerback <laughs> off the Cowboys. Yeah. So that is quite funny 
Um, as a player, I'm not worried about, uh, uh, about Stefan Diggs. I think he's going to be fine. He's Stefan Diggs. He's one of the top quality route runners we have in the league at the minute. Uh, obviously, with Dawson Knox, if he's out for a couple of weeks, he's going to get a bigger, a higher target share. And we know what you can do when he has the ball in the hand. So I certainly am not worried about him. Yeah, look, anytime you can get two or three quality wide receivers, it creates a big problem for for the defense. And if you're the only man and your double teamed quarterbacks are going to try and fit it to you, but I think if you're the only, if you're one of a of a group and get double teamed, I think that's just what you're going to see. The quarterback's going to take the safer throws. We saw, as you mentioned, going to Knox a lot, and he's going to spread the ball around, which I think is good for the builds. Maybe not for Emmanuel Sanders, but uh, or sorry. Um, Stefan Diggs, but he's a professional. He's been around the league. He understands that these things go in swings and roundabouts, and he'll be counted on again by the end of the season. Don't worry about that. Yeah, definitely. So looks like it is going to be just a blip for the, the Bills. We'll see what happens uh, this coming weekend as well. Uh, let's uh, go back to the wheel, and let's see what our next topic is going to be today. Let's spin that wheel straight away, and let's see where we're going to land. Oh, sorry about this, Fionn. Ah, but look. Mahomes dances on Washington defense. So the uh, Kansas City Chiefs got back on track last week with a dominating second-half performance, beating the Washington football team by 31 points to 13. Uh, concerningly, uh, the Washington football team didn't score a point in the whole second half as well. Fionn. Are you at the stage now where it's time to worry about the Washington defense? Uh, I think it's always been time to worry about the Washington defense. They're definitely underperforming, and I don't think that's going to change again anytime soon. We're a bit blue in the face already, six games into the season, whenever it has come up, talking about it's not an issue of quality on the field. There's Super Bowl winners on that defense. There's a stud defensive line full of first round picks the quality is there it's just about mashing that with the scheme and at the moment i think that's the problem we're not creating a challenge for opposing quarterbacks and when you're playing against nfl talent starting quarterbacks they can pull you apart so i expect us to cause big problems to anyone uh, who is struggling to find a, a starting quarterback in a couple of weeks time we will be playing the Broncos. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. And that may change my tune a little bit and, and we'll see how dominant they could be. But yeah, it was it was really difficult to watch because the first the first half, they really gave Kansas City all they could figure on defense. And I couldn't work out why. I think it was a few just misfires. We did obviously get a couple of turnovers that were maybe undeserved. The ball came off the hands of Tyreek Hill uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a crazy ball. I have no idea what he was trying to do. Uh, but those were two turnovers that we got that we maybe should have capitalized on better. And we only went into the into the halftime break three points up. And that's a big problem when you're playing Kansas City because even when they're playing bad, they can score points really quickly. And when we came off the boil in that second half, it really got away from us very quickly. And uh, I think that's the most worrying part that we can go from having a good game to a bad game over the course of a halftime. That, for me, was this week's big standout problem. A couple of weeks ago, it was the fact that we didn't seem to challenge uh, the Atlanta Falcons' offense at all. They could move the ball around as they wished. 
this year, this week we were challenging them, but then all that went out the window in the second half. And really the discipline and the tackling especially has been very, very poor in the second half of games. I'm not going to really shit on the Washington football team too much. As we know, the Giants have not played excessively well over the past couple of weeks. So um, what I will say is this is well needed for the Chiefs, I thought. They needed a win. They needed to get that well. They needed to get a few kind of confidence builders underneath them because they just haven't looked as good as they were in previous years. So I'm kind of thinking they needed – like they didn't look what are they – well, three – two and three now or three Three and three three now. A team like Washington was probably ideal A team that's good enough defensively To hopefully hold you down some points A, a team like the Chiefs are hard to stop So as you said Fionn Coming into the second half You were close But it wasn't It's the Chiefs so It's hard to it stop was, the Chiefs when they were the ball Go ahead It was, it was down to touchdown scoring we, I'm, I'm looking at the stats here in front of me Our top wide receiver was J.D. McKissick Our running back Which maybe you would expect in, in terms of targets But to be the top on 65 yards for the game is, It's just a killer To have so many drops So many missed opportunities And especially given I think Given where Tyler Heineke has come from He's performed pretty well I, I, As a backup quarterback I don't think he can have too much criticisms. There's a reason he's not a starter. He has some limitations, but he's played well around that. And we've seen him mature and evolve a little bit and not make those same mistakes twice, which is all you can really ask. So little drops and little, little issues throughout the game. That's the big problem. Like Travis Kelsey, we had, he had two receptions for 20 yards in the first half. By the end of the game, he had eight receptions for a hundred yards. That's the kind of disintegration that we had over the second half of that game, which is, Again, as I mentioned, that's the most worrying thing for me. And yeah, and I'm, like I'm, in, 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 in quarterback play, obviously you're playing Taylor Heineke, which is admittedly he's a top-end backup at least, if not a low-end starter. Um, or do you think it's kind of the blocking up front or is it the wide receivers maybe not being able to, to get out? I know you have Scary Terry, who is incredible, but what do you have behind Scary Terry? Yeah, around him, especially without Logan Thomas, who I personally, even though the stats didn't bear it out, I felt had problems with drops, especially big drops last season. Uh, and obviously the him going out, we're on backup tight ends. That doesn't help. A lot of drops and a lot of bad tackles. That, for me, are the two standout problems that if we fix nothing else, those two should be sharpened up and games should be tighter. It's ironic. Last season, we could barely score at all. Now we can score pretty well okay it's not ideal as i mentioned not to score touchdowns against the chiefs but against other teams we've been scoring but we just can't keep them out so it's it's a big problem and like i said i think it's one problem on each side it's it's not catching balls that really need to be caught and it's not making tackles that really need to be made yeah i agree with you guys and i think one thing that hasn't maybe been talked about a a lot is what we saw on Sunday is what the Chiefs did to teams last year as well. They just tired out defenses by different, uh, having those different options and the rounds, you know, the short passes to Tyreek and, and obviously Kelsey. The, the running game can wear teams down as well. I know they are missing uh, Edwards Hilaire, but th- that's what they did last year. And, and that was a good thing for a Kansas City perspective that they wore. Washington down that second half they had nothing left uh, pretty much especially by the fourth quarter and 
you know, it, that's probably the, the the score maybe flattered them a little bit. I wouldn't have said it was a route of 31 to 13 at all. But uh, and then on the opposite side with the Washington uh, offense, they just couldn't stay on the field long enough to give their defense that break that they needed either. Uh, one one thing I'm surprised by, and, and Fiona, I'm not, I, I can't say that I paid enough attention to the game this past weekend to know, but Curtis Samuel was the big free agent signing this year. How he, he spent the first three weeks on IR and he's come off, but has he been able to contribute as much as you would have liked? Not really. And and it comes down to what I was mentioning earlier. It's the overall problem of none of the wide receivers or the tight ends outside of, of McLaren and the two running backs have any kind of sure hands. If we get those kind of middle to long range balls, and of course with Taylor Heineke, it's going to be a little bit more tricky to make those connections. But so many times, even Scary Terry had a drop so, so unusual for him last weekend uh, that he should have made. And we're just not getting them. Seals Jones had a couple of drops where his hands were on the ball. And it's, they're drive killers, especially at the end of the game where you're pushing, you have to try and score touchdowns. And I think that definitely compounded the score. A, couple, a turnover late, I believe, for Heineke as well, if memory serves me serves me right. So, yeah, there's these little problems. But, yeah, Curtis Samuel and Jackson as well on the on the defensive side. Jackson has been fine. But, again, it, and maybe it's, maybe it's difficult because there's very clearly a communication problem on that back end of that Washington defense. So many blown coverages, it seems like, every week. And, if it's not blown for a touchdown, it's drive killing on the defensive side of the ball, drive killing mistakes that allow big chunk plays. I wouldn't be surprised if Don stand in front of me. I wouldn't be surprised if we're leading the league again for, for plays over 25 yards. As it's tough to watch. It must be tough to play. It must be very frustrating. But they have to get it together. And maybe it's just a, a case of a young team new together. Even the vets are only really joining this defensive team. And they need to get that communication down well. And hopefully it'll pick up next season. But it's always a worry when you're six game in thinking next season is going to be better. Agreed. <laughs> Definitely. And before we move on, um, obviously out of football, well, it's, uh, not ex- strictly football, but of course they had the uh, ceremony at halftime to retire uh, Sean Taylor's number. Um, you know, you can look into it what you will, whether it was just a PR stunt or whether they've wanted to actually do this for a while. Fionn, what did you think of the ceremony? I don't know if you caught the ceremony, but what do you think of the, the spectacle as a whole of, of Washington's decision to do this, especially in such a tumultuous, tumultuous time? Yeah, I suspect that it was, it was... Uh, pre-planned. I don't think this is a snap reaction to try and change coverage, mostly because the story broke so fast. It wasn't it wasn't leaked that there could be problems, and again, it wasn't a it wasn't necessarily direct. It, we, Washington was involved as a as a recipient of these emails, not as anyone sending them out. So uh, I do like that they did that for for um, for Taylor. I think uh, it's. It's a rare honor in in Washington circles to have your number retired. I think it's fitting. So on that side, I was happy. And yeah, I don't I don't buy too much into it being a distraction. Yeah, maybe I didn't see the pomp and the ceremony involved. I did see some criticism saying they could have done a better job. But at the end of the day, it's retiring 
it's retiring a jersey. The family is there. They got honored. They got to see see Washington make it a good effort. His number will be immortalized there. And so that's really it. I think any more than that might have looked like an even bigger distraction. And so maybe they maybe they toned it down just a little bit given the given the ongoing issues in that building. Yeah. Um, Jake, you went on last week when we talked about the the John Gruden dismissal in Vegas and obviously which led to, as Fionn mentioned there, the over 650,000 emails that involved Washington. Um, now, the, the NFL have come out and said that there's no other emails to um, warrant an investigation or in another in another case leaking um but what what did you make of everything that's been going on the last week around the, these emails and John Gruden and, and Washington yeah what a crazy time i think it, it it's really um it's unfortunate for washington because as we said they're not directly involved as such we know the owner has a whole bunch of different kind of things that happened we leave that aside for the moment but whatever john gruden done wasn't directly involved with uh, the Washington football team. So their name is being dragged through the dirt for nothing involving in this investigation. So uh, it's kind of unfortunate. I do think the Sean Taylor retirement was a bit rushed. Maybe they had a planned or maybe I, I'm not too sure. I don't want to get involved too much in that, but I, I certainly think they could have done a lot of things better. They could have had a lot more prepared. I didn't think they looked as good as they wanted to look on, on the halftime show. Um, but whatever John Gruden done, I think it's uh, well, he has a lot to lot to apologize for, and he needs to uh, rethink a lot of his decision making. Yeah, definitely, and I'm sure he'll have plenty of time to rethink that now because he won't be getting a job in 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 the league in a football anytime soon. The, the weird thing, sorry, Darren. Yeah, I I know he had a ten year contract signed what three years ago, four years ago now. Yeah. I imagine there's something in his contract that says if the NFL or if there's some investigation or if there's something of the sort, does he not get paid for the, the rest of the duration of his yeah. contract? Generally those... Get... Sorry, Jake. Yeah, yeah, generally those contracts all have in them that uh, they have a termination clause of uh, if it's not with the team, it's with the yeah. NFL in that you have NFL uh, that conduct have detrimental to the team immediately nullifies the, the contract they can walk away from that. The contract they can walk away from that. Okay, but, but that's the, all right. Yeah. I, I hope that's but the case yeah. in this one. I think he needs to reevaluate a lot of his decisions. Yeah, but the interesting yeah. thing was the that thing was he wasn't that fired. Was he quit. Now, he yeah. was probably told he was probably told to quit but I'm guessing there was some sort of financial package involved in that to say mm. the words of he quit rather than you're fired. I will. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't because the writers aren't going to want to pay that if they don't have to. And I don't think any court of arbitration is going to be able to stand over and say, oh no, you might have quit, but that was definitely conduct detrimental to the team and they had a right to fire you anyway. So I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, if they don't pay him a single cent of what's left on that contract. Yeah, I understand yeah, I, what you mean. Uh, okay. Uh, well, actually, well, one last thing before we move on to our, on to our next, topic. next topic. Did you see, did you see the uh, video of Patrick uh, Mahomes' brother? I didn't. I heard it was terrible, horrendous, and bordering on disrespectful. But, I mean, the man is a... 
TikTok dancer. They do stupid TikTok dances everywhere. So I don't know if he was intentionally being disrespectful, but I know a lot of people weren't very happy with it. I didn't see too much about it now, to be honest. I have I have been at a wedding over the weekend, so I've been running on that wedding high for the past four days. <laughs> no, Jake, it was just the um, his brother. Who, I think he does he does a lot of them everywhere, like Fionn says. He does them like yeah. at every game or something. He goes to all of his brother's games, and he filmed his latest one on the um, on the twenty one that they had uh, painted out at the side of the field for Sean Taylor. They did it on, and it was seen to be cordoned off. Now he's claiming that he was told to go there, and that's where he did it. But look, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it's, um, I think it's just, uh, I think it's just uh, an unfortunate event. I don't think actually any malice, there was any uh, malice intent there. So I think it'll be all right. But um, we're going to move on to our next topic. But before we do, Jake, um, we're going to actually let you go on this one because uh, I believe your phone is about to uh, die on you. So uh, thank you for joining us as always. Lads, it's always been a pleasure and I, I'll chat to you soon. Wait and uh, you see the, the New York Giants come up now while he's it gone and, and he doesn't topic. have the answer to it. <laughs> Typical. I hope so. Maybe that's why <laughs> my phone is mysteriously dying all of a sudden. <laughs> No All right, problem. lads, I'll leave you there. I'll chat to you later. Everybody else, enjoy the show. It's a cracker. See you later. Grant, so uh, Jake is gone. So now we can talk all the show about him that we've always wanted to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do that <laughs> anyway, even to his face. Let's not let's not make any jokes about that. We're If we're going to slag him, we'll slag him to his face as well. We're not scared of him. That's very true. That's very true. Well, look, we'll probably have time for one more topic. And yeah, I think one more is good. That's when we're going to call it a day. So let's get the wheel up for the last time this evening. Um, there's still some good ones there to talk about. Like that, like you said, there is still a Giants topic in there. Are we going to be talking about them again? Let's hope not. Oh, okay. Lion's roar turns to a poor. I'm a poet and I didn't even know. How about that? Yeah, that was nice. I like that one. <laughs> It was meant to be purr, but let's just let's just say purr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Detroit Lions because they lost uh, by 34 points to 11 against the Bengals. They are the only winless side left in the NFL. Dan Campbell and his knee-biting uh, team have not been uh, having the greatest time of it yet this year. One thing, not interesting, but one thing about this past week especially was other weeks the team have, you know, lost but put in a fight. And maybe they've lost to a last second field goal like they did against the Vikings. Or maybe, you know, they were leading for most of it and then like the superior team just went out. But last Sunday they were just playing bad for Yeah, Joe Burrow had more yards than the entire giant uh lions team put together they couldn't get anything going and i have to be honest i'm a little bit surprised i gave goff a lot more credit than a lot of other people did i i don't think he's necessarily a superstar quarterback but i really thought he had a lot of talent and a lot of uh, ability that would suit well the detroit lions of course it's a problem team 
They've been bad for a while, and, and there is a rebuild going on. But his numbers have struggled despite his heroic efforts at times, especially in this game. Only 202 passing yards, completing barely over 50% of his throws. That's, that's really struggling. And when you're backed up by only 24 rushing yards on 13 attempts, it's really going to make it hard for you to win games. So overall, yeah, I think you're right. I think this bad start for the Lions is getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm just having a look at who they have coming up in the next couple of games. They've got the Rams, Eagles, Steelers, and Browns. And given that the Steelers have performed well over the last couple of weeks, they seem to have bounced back a touch. And the Browns, if they do have Baker Mayfield playing, there's no real respite. Certainly the Rams are a better team than the Lions. The Eagles have been pretty poor this season, so that might be the only chance they have over the next four games of seeing any sunlight at the end of that tunnel. So it's it's tough if you're a Lions fan. And on the other side, a Bengals fan, they're rolling. Four and two record. Who saw this coming? They've been really impressive this year. Joe Burrow has continued where he left off. Maybe not mega numbers, but doing enough to get his team the victories. And that's all that you need to do when you're an NFL quarterback. Definitely 100%, Fiona. And, you know, uh, yeah, like you were mentioning, like Goff hasn't had thrown a touchdown now in his last two games. Uh, he had, um, I think, one interception there last week, one interception the week mm-hmm. before. You know, he's just playing. He's not playing well at the moment. It's just not working out. I don't know. Is this proving that Sean McVay was right to get rid of him? I, I think that's kind of obvious. Again, I, I don't know if we're being harsh on on Goff saying that he is like you know washed as a quarterback. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. The pieces around him are not the greatest. You know they have some talented running backs in Jamal Williams and, and DeAndre Swift. Out, outside, you know they've got young receivers um, mm-hmm. like Saint Brown and and um, and Raymond as well. But I just uh, TJ Hawkinson's a good tight end, but. I'd, like he seems to be their only sort of main target um, for Goff to throw at. And look, if he's covered well, you know, Goff is sort of stuck in that way. But yeah, I, I don't know like when or like if, because like, we still can't rule out the possibility of if they go winless throughout this year, because it's, it, it's definitely a possibility. But if they go winless this year, and this is just a question that's popped into my head now, I actually haven't got repair, prepared, but do you continue with Dan Campbell? I think you do, because I don't think anyone was under the illusion that this was going to be a good football team just by the addition of Jared Goff. And oh, because of that, that I... But like, I assume that they would have wanted to win. A, they would have expected to win a couple of games this year. Well, I, I mean, I don't have the metric. I know the NFL releases metrics on, on ease of schedule, but having thrown my eye over some of the games they have left it's not the easiest schedule i don't think they were planning uh to have too many wins how many do you remember off the top of your head how many wins we gave them in our preseason prediction show i gave them not a, a lot i would have not said a lot. I, I think i think i gave them four or five wins Four but could I be a stretch. Thought, I would say five is almost certainly not going to happen at this point. I I also thought under the basis that they may get a win against a Aaron Rodgers-less 
Packers and a Titans team that I didn't believe in. But yeah. obviously they're they're proving me wrong. So yeah. Anyway, to circle back to your original question, no, I think Dan Campbell gets at least another year. I don't know what kind of uh, length of of contract that he has there, but no, I think he gets another year because you have to have patience. I think the the giant the Lions, I beg your pardon, the Lions ownership have shown maybe too much patience in the last how many years did Matt Patricia last? Did, was he only one year or did he get a couple of, no, couple of seasons couple, to say good? He was there to yeah. tree. So they have a history of giving these coaches a little bit of time to turn it around. So no, uh, he's definitely in an uncomfortable seat, but I don't know if it's necessarily getting hot. It might be getting freezing cold like their run of form at the moment. What about then Jared Goff? What, at what point do you look at? Because they're still paying him a lot of money as well. They took on the LA Rams contract. So, yep. At what point do you get rid of him? But who takes him? No, I think you get rid of him. Sorry, I, I wanted to let you finish. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. I think you get rid of him when his contract's over. There's no point dumping that. I, I don't know if there's a suitable free agent. And I'm looking at this as a as a whole package, you're not going to convince any of the likely free agents to appear in Detroit, especially with the team looking like it is at the moment. If if you had a couple of years to rebuild it, then you have a chance. And so golf, super expensive. I guess when it gets to the point, maybe when the dead money is worth less than his contract money, maybe then you can get rid of him. But at the moment, if your chunk of change is going to cost you more, even if you take a rookie quarterback than most mid-tier starters are getting paid, then you're going to have to keep them because that that doesn't balance the books and, and you have to at least keep the rest of the cost down around the team if you're going to have to pay him for mediocre play. Yeah, definitely. I, I do agree with you there. I would, I would keep him there this year for the rest of the, this season for sure. Because mostly because, like you were saying, if you want to go with a rookie QB to be there, I don't see it in this upcoming draft class. Uh, maybe next, maybe the following years would be. We'll have to wait and see who declares for it. So, you do have at least another season after this with Jared Goff. And look, they had five wins last year. I'm guessing the minimum target between now and the end of the season because there's still 11 games left to play, you know that means you would have to go five and six for the rest of the season, but try and get to that five win mark and, mm-hmm. and, um, and see what you can do. Then you would still get a pretty high draft pick, which, which would be good for them going forward as well. But they haven't really been treating their current, you know, high draft pick quite well at them uh, either because Penny Sewell, who is normally a, a left tackle was moved out to right tackle because they do have a really good left tackle at the moment, so mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of it's kind of like you have to question what the motives are not the motives, but you have to question sort of the decisions that are being made there. And yeah, look, I the thing that I worry about is when Dan Campbell's like antics on the sideline, antics in the you know in the press conferences, antics when you see videos of my practice when. That, that turns from being motivational or inspiring to being a circus act and being a distraction. 
because when that happens, then the team is in a lot of trouble because then I don't think you're going to get the progression that you will want. And I think that's when a time a decision will have to be made whether or not it is uh, better to keep him on or maybe let him go and pick up maybe because like he was a out of the blue signing mm. uh, out of the blue hiring I should say when you had others like look the names are there you got Doug Pearson Brian Dayball Eric Bieniemy you know there there are some uh, there's some other college coaches I should say as well there that you could have went for but Dan Campbell was the one person that they went for so that's that that's just my thinking behind the field with with Dan Campbell going forward with with the Lions again you know a really really tough a really, really tough um, sort of start to the season for him in his first head coaching role. Like I said, the other games he had played well in, they they had played well in and were unlucky to lose. This uh-huh. one was just a really, really bad performance, a really, really bad performance by the whole team. And, you know, I have to, like these next, say, what is it, three games, you could say, are going to be vitally important for them to sort of turn things. Like they play the Rams, then they're playing, like you're saying, the Eagles and then the Steelers. There are a lot of very tough games coming up. And, yeah. you know, even the Eagles aren't going to be a gimme after they went to Carolina and beat them, you know. And uh, the Steelers, obviously, you know, still are at that 500 team. So they still have to be worried about. And, of course, the Rams are the Rams, you know. Mm-hmm. And the whole storyline of Jared Goff going against his former team and Matt Stafford going against his former team, that'll dominate the 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 storyline heading into that game obviously but yeah if they don't put in some sort of performances in that I do worry about them for the rest of the season and maybe going forward with, with Dan Campbell in charge absolutely I think the Rams game I don't expect it to be close but you're going to have to watch very closely how that team performs because like you mentioned sometimes the schedule is just not going to break your way if things didn't go well at the start of the season through the middle and and towards the business end of the season, it just gets tougher to get those wins. So I think that the Lions management and ownership have shown that they're they're willing to turn a a somewhat blind eye to the record and look more at how the team's performing. And, And in that respect, you don't want another game in a row where you never look competitive and you never looked uh, like that fight was there. Whether that's, uh, of course, they're all professionals, so I presume it is, but uh, on the optics point of view, anyway. Yeah, but it has to be very important that you don't get, like you're saying, you don't think it's going to be close with the Rams, but you don't want to get embarrassed. That's the important You don't want to get embarrassed, that's for sure. Yeah, Uh, I think the Eagles is going to be an even more important game to be very close, if not a win. Exactly. But I, I kind of like to think that I have faith that they are going to get a win. From, like they're going to spring up a win from somewhere soon. And this kind of looks like how the Jets last season came in to SoFi Stadium against the Rams. The Jets were winless. Everyone thought that the Jets were not going to do anything and get uh, rolled over by, by, by the Rams. The Jets end up winning that game. Not saying that that's going to happen with the Lions, but you know, well, look, are... they they are playing the Seahawks late in the season. Seahawks famously bad at the end of the season as they had as they were last year. So 
that could be a huge chance to get a, a last-minute W that might make the difference. It's interesting you brought up as well the draft class this year. I'm not sure if being first pick gets you a particularly good quarterback this year compared to the last three or four seasons. So as we as we get to the end of the season, that's going to be something very interesting to watch. Yeah, I think this could be a draft class where the number one pick doesn't go to a quarterback. I think it could be someone else. And obviously we'll see as the season goes on who that's going uh-huh. to be. I can't... I should mention that, like, we are going to wrap it up here. We do have a Thursday night show coming up this Thursday for you. We are going to be previewing the Cleveland uh, Browns hosting the Denver Broncos. Uh, Two teams that have come off disappointing losses last Sunday. We have two very special guests uh, coming on the show to speak to us and help preview the game. First of all, we are going to speak to... Jason Hand and Mikey Apple from the Yard Dogs podcast, uh, the Cleveland Browns podcast, looking forward to speaking to them. And then on the Broncos side of things, we're delighted that we're going to be speaking to Benjamin Albright from uh, Denver Broncos Radio. And I'm sure uh, everyone uh, follows um, Benjamin Albright, even though he says don't follow him because it's a terrible account. And we try our best not to, but we can't press that unfollow button, (laughs) Jay. No, no, no. We've we've struggled to get away. We're enjoying his, <laughs> his stuff a lot, as I'm sure most of his fans do. A very self-deprecating man. Yeah, so that show will be out on Thursday at a half nine Irish time. If you are uh, on the uh, one of the coasts in America, it'll be about half four or so um, East Coast time. But Fiona, I think uh, that's a perfect place for us to wrap up today. Thanks so much for coming on, as always. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I enjoyed it big time. No problem at all. And before we go, guys, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel as well, uh, Under Center Podcast on YouTube, because that is where you find our YouTube exclusive betting show to help you win a bit of money in the bookies uh, ahead of week seven now. Jeez, we're already at week seven of the season. It's unreal. Um, and also, make sure if you prefer the audio side of our podcast, all of our shows are in, in audio form. Just search Under Center Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and that's where you will find all of the shows there, including this one today, if you do happen to miss it. But uh, that is it for this edition of the Under Center Podcast. Until next time, stay safe. I will see you soon.